Blog Talk Radio. Let me make this an absolute fact. The goal is world peace. That must be our prime responsibility. We are the leader of the free world whether we want to be or not. And therefore we are the only ones that can preserve the peace. And to do that we must have strength. Meeting this mission and its responsibility for preserving the peace, which I believe is a responsibility peculiar to our country, that we cannot shirk our responsibility as a leader of the free world because we're the only one that can do it. All right, everybody, Dr. Peter Ventura here going on with the Book of Daniel. So he'll be on here for about an hour. So, Dr. Peter, can you hear me? Yes, sir. All right, floor is yours. Thank you. Thank you for the use of your platform this evening. Brother, appreciate it. Good evening, folks. Welcome to Sound Doctrine. We're here tonight in the book of Daniel. We're going to get right down into it. We were down in chapter 5, and we got down to uh, where Nebuchadnezzar saw that writing on the wall. And we're going to get a little historical facts tonight. I'm excited to be here with you. And uh, thank God you could join us again this week. And Tuesdays and Friday nights, we're trying to get through the book of Daniel. We want to get to the uh, most exciting part is Daniel's 70th week, and we'll get there. But we have to work our way through the book so we understand the history of it. Amen. So uh, we left off in uh, at verse 30 and 31 of chapter 5. Uh, remember, Nebuchadnezzar had uh, his kingdom's done. It's over. The, the writing was on the wall, and uh, he's finished. And so it, it, verse 30 says, in that night, was Belshazzar, the king of the Chaldeans, slain. And Darius, the Median, took the kingdom, being about threescore and two years old. Let, let's pray this in. Holy Father, in the name of Jesus, your, your precious Son and our Savior, we thank you for Calvary, God. We thank you for the shed blood of Jesus Christ, which cleanses us from all unrighteousness. We thank you for your word, which keeps us clean, Lord. And, Lord, it's our reasonable service, Lord that we bring it into subjection to you, our bodies. And we just thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Ask you tonight to bless this, thy listening audience. Do that which I can't do, Lord. And and they didn't come to hear me. They came to hear you, Father. And please, speak through me, Lord. Bring the revelation of this Daniel to their hearts and minds and, and open their spiritual eyes and ears and give them wisdom and revelation with, with understanding, Lord. And we'll just give you all the praise, the honor. Keep the uh, adversary out of this, Lord, and chase every foul and unclean spirit away. And you'll give all the glory, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. So the kingdom of Babylon and the city of Babylon was actually taken historically, we learned, by a man named Cyrus. And it was decreed by God. 175 years, probably about 712 B.C., and uh, it happens in 538 B.C., so 175 years prior to Cyrus coming on the scene, God calls Cyrus by name. See, Darius was one of his generals, and uh, and so he's a median. So when you get down to uh, Isaiah, something very interesting in Isaiah, 4428 is the prophecy some 712 years before about this person, uh, Cyrus, that was to come along, and he was to let Israel go back 
uh, and build Jerusalem. And you see, remember, they're being held captive in Israel. I mean, in uh, Babylon. So if you uh, look at Isaiah 44, verse 28, it says, That saith of Cyrus, he is my shepherd, and shall perform all my pleasure, even saying to Jerusalem, Thou shalt be built into the temple, thy foundation shall be laid. So there it is, Cyrus in prophecy, also in chapter 45 of Isaiah, uh, looking at uh, verses 1 to 4, and the scripture says there, says that, Thus saith the Lord to the anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have holded, to subdue nations before him, and I will loose the loins of kings, to open before him the two leaves gates, and the gates shall not be shut. Amen? Listen, uh, this, this is a, a wonderful prophecy that, 712 years before Cyrus released them from Babylon, it was prophesied. That's the magnificent thing about the Bible. Its prophecies are always fulfilled. Amen? And so here you have uh, Cyrus, and 175 years, God called him his shepherd. God calls him by name. And the media Persian army, that's Cyrus, his army is sitting outside the walls. Now, Herodotus, the Greek historian, said the walls of Babylon were 320 feet high and 80 feet, imagine the immense thickness. And that's why when we were reading about Nebuchadnezzar there, he's having a party, he's got all the Lord's vessels that he took from Jerusalem, and he's not, he's not worried about a thing. Who's going to get through that wall or over it? Amen? And so that's what he's thinking. But outside the wall is the whole Persian army, and he knows it. And he knows, you know, he figured, you know, how could they get over this wall? They're not going to get over it, and they're not going to get through it. All right? And so God gave him uh, the idea, Cyrus, to divert the water of the Euphrates, which ran through Babylon and beyond the view of the towers. And so they began digging a trench to divert the water from the Euphrates. And and in all likelihood, you know, they had heard about the party and Babylon's party. And Belshazzar figured, hey, nobody's getting through these walls. We've got all the food and water we need. And after two years, no one's really, you know, on alert. So Cyrus divides the army that he has into three parts. The first part to divert the water at the proper time. The second is stationed where the river entered at the north. And the third is stationed where the water left the city in the south. Now, once the water was stopped, the army entered and they marched all along the river banks until they came to the center of the city at the palace. And all along the city where the river ran were walls and brass gates. And on, on that particular night, while the feast was going on, while they were partying, no one had locked the river gates. And Cyrus's army entered the city, overthrew the palace, and killed the king. And that's where it says in verse 31, And Darius the media took the kingdom, being about threescore and two years old. Amen. So Darius, you know, Cyrus's army, takes the king, but he commits the governorship of the, the Babylon to Darius. And, you know, uh, you saw that. I just read that. So Darius rules Babylon. We find uh, 1 
for approximately two years. And he's king of the media Persian Empire. He is uh, uh, the king of the Persian Empire. And Darius is older, so Cyrus says, you know, you run this. Now, when we get to chapter 6, chapter 6 takes place about 68 years after Daniel was carried away from Jerusalem. Remember, he's a young man then. And and he was carried away as a teenager. But now he's in his mid-80s. And the Babylonian kingdoms come to an end in chapter 5. And this is, remember, when we studied in chapter 2, that statue had the golden head. That was Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom. And then the next was the silver, which was the media Persian empire. You see, the breasts and arms are silver. And in chapter 5, Daniel, was we saw him depicted as a type of Holy Spirit who's able to interpret dreams. But in, in Daniel chapter 6, he, he's, he's depicted as a type of Christ. And, and you'll see the death, burial, and resurrection in type in chapter 6. So let's, let's look at verse 1, uh, chapter 6, Daniel. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. So Babylon was an absolute monarchy. In the same respect, this media Persian army, uh, uh, this ruling party, is pretty much the same. But they're, uh, they're, they have a king. They have three presidents. They have 120 princes. You'll see that in verse 2. And over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, and the princes might give account unto them, and the king should have no. So they have three presidents are over 120 princes. And all three men had part in the making of the laws of the kingdom, which when a law in the kingdom was ratified by the king, it was unalterable. He could not change it. The king can't even change it. It's done. It's a ratified law. The king ratified it, and it's over. You know, in America, we can repeal a law. Well, they can't repeal the laws under their kingdom and their laws. And so it said in verse 2, and over these three presidents, which is the type of the Trinity. And notice that Daniel was the first, like a prime minister. He's a president. He's first. Or he's over all the other, the other two presidents and the 120 princes. And he probably got appointed to that position, if you think about it a little bit, because Darius had learned some things about Daniel. And you just don't conquer a land and say, hey, here's a smart guy. I'm going to put him in charge. No. You know, Darius heard about Daniel and what he had done to great feats and how Cyrus, you know, would and, and told how Cyrus had it already been prophesied how Cyrus would conquer. And so when we get down to verse 3, it says, then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Okay, he, it says that this Daniel was preferred. It's funny because, well, it's not funny, but Proverbs says in, in chapter 22, uh, verse 29, Proverbs says, Seeth thou a man diligent in his business? He shall stand before kings. He shall not stand before men. Amen. So how, how about that? And uh, it says, so Daniel was preferred. And because he had an excellent spirit, the excellent spirit was in him. And truly, that, that's a, a type of Jesus because when you look at Luke chapter 2, uh, verses 46, Scripture says, 
And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple talking about Jesus, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. Verse 47, and all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And you get to 52. And in Luke uh, chapter 2, it says, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature in favor with God and and so he had an excellent spirit in him, Daniel, just like Christ. And the king thought to set him over the nobles. He's over the nobles. And, and Christ is too. Jesus Christ, the Bible says in, in Philippians chapter 2, uh, verses 9 to 11, the scripture says, Wherefore God also highly exalted him, Jesus, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. And so this Daniel is, is a type of Christ. And and that makes Darius, you know, a type of the Father in that sense. But let's look at cha- uh, verse number four, chapter six. Then the presence of the princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion nor fault for as much as he was faithful neither was there any error or fault found in him you see they're looking to find of uh, fault in him they're looking to find an occasion in him to accuse him daniel of doing something wrong so they can knock him out of his position so they could betray him and you know why i say he's a type of christ because when you get to luke 23 and you and you notice some things about Christ in verse number four. It says, "Then Pilate then said Pilate to the chief priests and to the people, I find no fault in this man." You see, there was no fault in him. And again in verse fourteen, said unto them, "Ye have brought this man unto me as one that perverted the people. And behold, I have examined him before you, and have found no fault in this man touching those things whereof ye accuse him." And then again in verse twenty-two. And he said unto them, the third time, why? What evil has he done? I have found no cause of death in him. I will therefore chasten him and let him go. You see? And so that's why I say Daniel, there was, they couldn't find fault in him either. You see? Verse number five says, then said these men, we shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. You see? These were the presidents and the princes, and they want to get rid of them. And they're a type of devil and principalities and powers, if you think about it, because that's how the devil works. He uses the law and to bring accusation against you to God. The Pharisees did it to Jesus Christ. Over in Matthew chapter 12, verse number 2, they, they used the law. Just like this, these uh, media persons are going to do. But uh, they accused Jesus in, in Matthew twelve two. It says, but when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto him, behold, thy disciples do not that which is lawful to do upon the Sabbath day, you see. And they did it again in, in chapter 19, verse 3, and chapter 22, verse 17, you see. The politician wants to use the law against Daniel, you see. And doesn't that sound familiar to something that's going on in the United States of America today? Somebody wants to use the law against politicians. <laughs> you know, one thing people don't learn is they don't learn from history, right? 6-6, six, six, verse 6 says, 
Then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king and said thus unto the king, and unto him, King Darius, live forever. Verse 7, all the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes, the counselors, the captains, have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whatsoever was asked at a petition of any god or man for 30 days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. So the governors and the princes and the counselors and the captains, they all got together, you see. And when, when secular rulers and religious rulers consult together, you know what? They're up to no good. That's what happens. And, uh, you know, Psalm 2, go over to Psalm 2. Let me get there with you. Uh, Psalm chapter 2. It's funny that Psalm chapter 2, verses 2 and 3 says, The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his, north, against his anointed one right against the anointed saying let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us you see and so uh you know uh, they they want unity and they consult together to go after jesus christ and they and they consult together to go after daniel and, and a council when you see a council in the bible councils are never really good especially when they're religious councils in matthew 26 3 and 4 you can see that. Matthew 26, 3 and 4, the scripture says, Then assembled together the chief priests and the scribes and the elders of the people unto the palace of the high priest, who, who was called Caiaphas, and consulted that they might take Jesus by sub, subtility and kill him. You see, counsels in the Bible, they're never really good. Okay, verse number 8. Chapter 6 of Daniel, verse number 8. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Remember, once this king signs this decree, that's it. That's the end. He can't change it. It must be followed out. Okay? So, and, and you know, it's, it's kind of the picture of uh, the word of God. You know, the Bible says where the word of a king is, there's power. Amen? And, and it can't be changed. And neither can the word of God. And, and America has a problem because we have Christians who have decided that they know more than God, and they have taken the Bible, and they have changed the words, and they want you to go back to the original, which you don't speak Hebrew, and you don't speak Greek, okay? And they, and they want you to forget that it was the Holy Spirit that moved upon men and caused them to bring forth the word of God in English, and we have it in English, and I don't need Hebrew, and I don't need Greek to understand the Bible. I have it in English, and the Bible interprets itself. Now, I want to give you a lesson tonight about the Bible interpreting itself. If you would just go over with me to Revelation chapter 1, we're just going to take a short rabbit trail here, but I want you to see how the Bible interprets itself, you see. Now, here's John in the book of Revelation, and John is up, up he's, 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 talking and he says and i turned to see the voice that spake with me in verse number 12 and being turned i saw seven golden candlesticks and in the midst of the seven candlesticks one like unto the son of man clothed with a garment down to the foot and girt about the paps with a golden girder 
His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like unto brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, he said, I fell down as dead. Now, you know, you're sitting here and you're saying, well, uh, I, I don't understand. What's, this, uh, what's he talking about here? Well, first of all, Christ is dressed as a, as a judge, okay? And the English people, the barristers, when they used to hold court, don't you remember, if you think back or you ever saw the old-time movies, they all had white hair. They put on white wigs when they were in the courtroom to judge. Well, that's where they got it from, okay? But that's not what I really want you to see. What I want you to see is, see, he says, out of his mouth cometh a two-edged sword. Well, Hebrews said the word of God is sharp and powerful than sharper than any two-edged sword, even dividing the sun to a soul and spirit. Oh, well, it interpreted itself. There's that two-edged sword. Now, listen to what he says. He's going to give to you the interpretation of what John just saw, okay? The mystery, verse 20, in chapter two, uh, 1 of uh, Revelation. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. I don't need Greek to explain that to me, okay? He said it. And the problem is that when we start going to foreign languages to understand what God has given us in our King James Bible, and by the way, the King James Bible is the only Bible without a copyright. Do you know what that means? When you look at an RSV, an ASV, an NIV, an RV, uh, the message, or any other of these Bibles, they have copyrights. And that means that no two of those Bibles can say the same thing, or it's a copyright infringement and a violation of the law. And that's why God gave you your King James Bible without a copyright. Anybody can print it. Anybody can copy it. Amen? Listen, what would make somebody think there was more than one Bible? One spirit, one God, one baptism. Amen? One book. You know, this it's, it's just amazing. But uh, look at verse 7 said, you know, all those presidents, you know, they got together and, and they said 30 days. And so when, when Darius, when he signs that decree, it's ultimately going to make him a god for a month. No one can ask any decree or prayer from anyone or any god except from the king. That's what Antichrist is going to do in the middle of that tribulation. When you see the desolation of abomination spoken of in the book of Daniel, and we're going to get there, but that's what he's going to do. He's going to go into that temple, and he's going to say he is God, and he is going to demand worship. All right? And if you don't, you don't take that mark, you don't worship him, well, bye-bye. And so there's no dispensation like the dispensation of grace to get saved. Because you're not going to make it through that tribulation. And if you do, it'll be quite a miracle. Because if you don't take that mark, you can't buy or sell. You'll starve to death. You'll have to hide. And if they find you, they'll execute you. Now, verse number 10. Oh, verse 9 says, Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing and the decree. There it is. It's set. It's done. Verse number 10. Now, 
when Daniel knew the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being opened in the chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day, you know, and he prayed. Man, you, you, you can't even get somebody to get out of bed in the morning and pray. Three times a day this man prayed, uh, dedicated to his God, and he's in a foreign land. People can't even pray for 10 minutes. It's a shame. And he prayed, and he gave thanks before his God as he did a four time, you see. And, and so Daniel Daniel's doesn't really care about them, but when Daniel learned of the decree, he didn't change his conduct. He didn't change his lifestyle. He just kept doing what he was doing, doing what was good, what was right. And when things change in your life, you won't have to change your life on doing what you've been doing. And there won't be any drastic changes in your life. You'll keep your faith in God. Daniel, he's familiar with the scriptures. You know, in Second Chronicles 6, Solomon's prayer of the dedication of the temple. Daniel and Israel were carried away. And Israel had sinned. But go with me to Second Chronicles for a second of chapter 6, because it'll, it'll help you understand why. Daniel's over there and why he's praying towards Jerusalem. Okay. We're looking at Second Chronicles chapter 6. You know, I want to give you the whole counsel of God. I, I, I don't want to come on uh, this program and give you a piece so you say, well, what, what was that? You know, you can get pieces anywhere. But what you need is the whole counsel of God. Now look at Second uh, Chronicles chapter 6, verse 36. Remember, dedication, Solomon's dedication of the temple. And notice what Solomon, uh, verse 36 says, If they sin, talking about Israel, if they sin against thee, for there is no man which sinneth not, and thou be angry with them, and deliver them over before their enemies, and they carry them away captive into a land far off, or near, okay? Now, look at verse 37 to 39. Yet if they bethink themselves in the land whither they are carried captive, and turn and pray unto thee in the land of their captivity, saying, we have sinned, we have done amiss, and have dealt wickedly, if they return to thee with all their heart and with all their soul in the land of their captivity, whither they have, whither they have carried them captives, and pray toward their land, which thou gavest unto their fathers, and toward the city, which thou hast chosen, and toward the house, which I have built for thy name. Look at verse 39. Then hear thou from the heavens, even from thy dwelling place, their prayer and their supplications, and maintain their cause, and forgive thy people which have sinned against thee. So that's what Daniel knows the Bible. He knows the book, and he knows that he was carried away. He's in a foreign land. Well, what did Solomon say? So he said to the Lord when they dedicated the temple, when these people get away, if they get in a foreign land and they pray to you, hear their prayers, if they repent. You see? And so uh, he's familiar, Daniel. He knows the scriptures. And he was carried away. And Israel did sin. And that's why Daniel was praying three times a day wasn't just because he decided, I'm going to pray three times a day. He prayed three times a day. He was facing towards Jerusalem because he wanted God to hear the prayer of repentance. He was a captive in a foreign land because of why. He, 
He might not have been a sinner, but the people in the in Israel became sinners. And because of their sin, good people got carried away. And that's what's happening in America today. Because of the evil going on in America, good people are getting swept away. And unfortunately, when judgment comes, it's going to be a wicked thing. And by the way, this is 1,200 years before Muhammad. Now, in Psalm 15, David said, you know, evening, morning, and noon, he prayed. And Daniel, he's modeling himself where he's using David as an example. And he prayed, the Bible says, and he gave thanks. And by the way, a Christian ought to give thanks. You know, First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse number 8. I'm sorry I'll get into a second 1 Thessalonians 5.18 In everything give thanks For this is the will of God In Christ Jesus concerning you I broke my leg What do you mean I gotta give thanks Hey look Hey Lord I don't know why or how this happened I don't know how I got there But you know what Lord I'm just gonna praise you I'm going to thank you, God, because all things work to the glory of God, and I know you're going to work this out. I'm just going to trust you. Amen? I'm not going to sulk. I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to weep. I'm not going to woe is me. Wham, wham, wham. Call the ambulance. No, I'm going to go before God and say, God, I'm your child. I'm your son. I don't, um, I don't understand this. I don't know why this happened. I praise you, God, because I know nothing happens in my life unless you allow it or you make it happen. What is it that I need to know, God, and how can I remedy this? Times you just have to be still and know that he is God. And so, well, what was Daniel praying about? Did you wonder about that? Here we have Daniel praying. What, what's he praying about? Well, if you look at Jeremiah chapter 25, verse 11 and 12, Scripture says, And this whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment. And these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. And it shall come to pass when 70 years are accomplished that I will punish the king of Babylon. Whoa, Nebuchadnezzar. And that nation saith the Lord for their iniquity and the land of the Chaldeans and will make it a perpetual desolation. All right. So that's what he's praying about. And so Cyrus makes a decree, and he's, he's, that's what Daniel's praying. He's praying that he could, you know, get out of there. There was 70 years. He knows when he got carried away, and he's counting. He got carried away in 606 B.C., and now it's about 536 B.C., 70 years have gone by. Daniel knows this. He's praying. It's time to go back, and that's what Daniel's praying about, you see, and and so Cyrus makes a decree to send or to allow the Jews to go back to Jerusalem. And you'll see that in Daniel 9.1. Cyrus made Darius the king, right? Uh, Cyrus was out to conquer, you know, land, more land. He was out. But, he, but when you get to Daniel 9.2 in the feast year, and that's right about the time Daniel 6 is happening. And so... Remember, Daniel was carried away in 606 B.C. This is about 536 B.C., 70 years. And, and the prophecy was that they would be carried to Babylon for 70 years. 
Now, uh, you have to understand that was they got a reprieve because Jeremiah was there telling them you're going to Babylon for 70 years, but Josiah, Josiah the boy king, had found the scriptures. They were brought to him, and he read them, and he said, wow, we got so far away from God. We got to get this thing right. And because he got the nation right, God gave the nation a reprieve, a reprieve. And they didn't have to go right away. Or they were going because it was prophesied, but God gave them a reprieve. In America, you may get a reprieve. I don't know if it's too late for America. America's turned its back on God. You see, when Israel turned its back on God, God took them off the land and and destroyed them. And when, when America's turned its back on God, you see, it's a, uh, it's a shame. Chapter 6, verse 12 says, well, listen, if you don't realize, you have to be a spiritual individual. Everything you see in this physical world, there's something spiritual going on in the background. Now, how many times in the book of Daniel already we've read they've tried to get rid of the Jewish boys, you see, who were doing right. See, there's a spirit behind that. Nebuchadnezzar is not serving God. God chose him to lead that kingdom, and he used that his ruling for evil, okay? He could have used it for good, just like Saul when he was ruling over Israel. And so... People don't understand. We live in a Western society, and our Western society is based upon Christianity, as they say, the Judeo-Christian foundation of the Word of God and the Bible, and we've gotten away from it. And so in the ancient times, there were pagan cities and pagan gods, Diana, Astarte, Astaroth, Molech, and people worship these idols and these images as gods in Rome, Venus. And so what happened was that those gods became unnecessary once Christianity came on the scene, you see? And and those things were all connected with pagan behavior and and nakedness and nudity. And, And you look at that when you go back when Moses is up on Mount Sinai getting the Ten Commandments and he's on his way down. And Joshua says to him, there's a, you know, the sound of revelry, you know, parties going on down there. And, and Moses says, no, you know, he says, it's the sound of war. Mo, uh, uh, Joshua said, and Moses said, no, it's revelry. It's a party. And so what, it, you know, what did they do? What did Joshua do down there? Joshua, Moses' nice associate pastor, he's down there making a golden calf and the people are worshiping it. Well, a golden calf is a bull. And if you don't know who Baal is, you need to study your Bible. Baal was one of the problems that Israel had, worshiping an idol named Baal, who was an idol of prosperity. And he brought prosper to the crops and prosper to their wallets and prosper to, to the land and prosper to the people. That's what Baal had, was worshipped for, okay? And, and by the way, he was depicted as a bull, okay? And, and so Western society in itself had gone Judeo-Christian, and now we have a Christian country and a Christian society. God told Israel, but America chose God. And you have to understand that those spirits are still out there, and Baal has found his way back into America. 
And if you don't think so, the place of prosperity in America and the symbol of it is Wall Street. They have a bull down there by Wall Street. Didn't you ever hear of the bull market? You know, America needs to wake up. There's something spiritual happening. The Christians in this country need to get on their knees, get your heart right, and when your heart is right, you can pray for the nation. Amen? But here's Daniel. He's faithful. Let's look at verse 12. Then they came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree. Hast thou not signed the decree that every man that shall ask a petition of God or man within 30 days, save of thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? And the king answered and said, The thing is true, according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which altereth not. All right? So, you know, it's a picture of, of the devil. You know, the devil made an accusation against Jesus. And it was, they used the law, answered they, and said before the king that Daniel, which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, regardeth not thee, O king, nor the decree that thou hast signed, but maketh his petition three times a day. <laughs> you hear what he said? He said that Daniel, you know, that Daniel up there, you know, he, he's praying three times a day. He has no regard for you, king. You see, he regardeth not the king. And that's the world's accusation against the Christian. You know, the same accusations that were made against Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. And listen, Christian, it can get worse. Social rationalism. Okay, the world says these behaviors that are evil well, what is it? Behaviors that are evil, the world says are good. And because you know they're evil, you won't participate in them. You speak out against them, unless you're an Obadiah and you're undercover. We have a lot of undercover Christians in this country, you see? And, and so the problem is that society says the bad things are good, and their Bible says they're evil. And when you go against that, you are going to receive the accusation. You're the outcast. You're the troublemaker. You're the King James only problem. You see? You see, the idea of those new versions is to get rid of, to water down the word of God, to remove Jesus Christ from being the son to being the one, the one who's to come. Well, let me tell you, the one who's to come, all right? They're not talking about the son. You know, some of these Bibles say in, in Isaiah, O thou Lucifer, how thou cast down. That's what the King James says. Some of these Bibles say, O bright and morning star, how art thou cast down. Well, Jesus said over in Revelation 22, I am the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. Why are they throwing Jesus out of heaven in some of those Bibles? And they have people, you tell them and you show them and they walk around with a smile, you know, oh, well, you know, you know what they're saying is they don't have any final authority. And if there's no final authority, everybody becomes an authority. And that's what happens in America. You see, if there's no truth, the Bible is the standard of truth and morality. And if there's no Bible if there's no standard, they got it out of our schools. They got it out of our course. They got it out of our life. They're trying to remove the Bible, the Word of God. And the purpose in doing so is so we can get to where we are today, that a man can say he's a woman, and it's his truth. Because 
there's no standard of truth. You see, but there is a standard of truth, and it's the God-given word of God, and it's not found in 50 different Bibles that water down, that remove scriptures, that argue about verses. Did you know an NIV is 60,000 words less than a King James Bible? Do you know the King James Bible is written at a fourth and fifth grade education level? People come to me and they say, oh, pastor, I just can't get used to those these and thous. I said, who are you kidding? You were just singing in the church. Thine is the kingdom. Thou art the Lord. You know, you're fooling yourself. Self-deceived. Wake up, America. Wake up, Christians in America. Verse, verse 13. So even in Esther, we had the same type of Antichrist, Haman. He wanted to kill all the Jews. Don't allow them to live because they got a different God. They have different laws. They won't worship your image. You see? Verse 14, chapter 6 of Daniel. Oh, we're rocking and rolling now, aren't we? Woo! You say, well, you get excited, Pastor. Hey, listen, you preach the word of God, somebody's going to get excited. They're either going to tell you to shut up or they're going to receive it, but they're going to get excited. Amen? (laughs) Somebody said once, you take this too far, that Christianity. I said, yeah, look how far Jesus took it. But across... Verse 14, then the king, when he heard these words, was sore displeased within himself, all right, with himself, and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. See? Now the king realizes that it was a setup. It's a setup. Okay? And, you know, three times Jesus prayed there was some way out that God will find it. Not my will, but thy will, he said, you know, in the end. And so uh, there's no way out. And there's no way out of delivering for Jesus or bypassing that cross. And God would have done it. But there was no other way. And so Daniel's a picture, a type of Christ. And he labored. Listen, Nebuchadnezzar labors to the going down of the son to deliver Daniel. He did everything he could think of. He tried everything that was lawful. But you know what? He made the decree, and it must be carried out. Verse 15 says, Then these men assembled unto the king and said unto the king, King, know, O king, that the law of the Medes and Persians is that no decree nor statute which the king establishes may be changed. Now, you know, uh, the king had a had a heart for Dave for Daniel, and he realized that they had set him up, but they used the king to do it. You see, the law says. So when Moses, you remember Moses, when Moses died, the devil claims his body and he says, "Hey, that's mine." Over there in Jude nine, he says, "I got the power over death," and all Michael could say, the archangel, was, "The Lord rebuked thee." Michael didn't quote scripture. He didn't have the scripture to quote. The devil wanted Moses' body. And the Lord says, you can't have him. I'm taking him. Moses, you know, has to come back in the second advent. He's one of the witnesses. So he needs Moses' body. And, he, and, and the devil's trying to stop him from coming back. And so these men, they frame mischief by law against Daniel. 
And, you know, there's a perfect commentary on that in Psalm 94. Psalm 94, verse 20 and 21 says, Shall the throne of iniquity have fellowship with thee, which frameth mischief by a law? They gather themselves together against the soul of the righteous and condemn the innocent blood. How's that for a commentary on it? Back in Daniel chapter 6, let's look at verse number 16. King commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God whom, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. You see? You know, Daniel... He came out, he didn't have any bones broken, neither did Jesus, <laughs> you know. But uh, let's let's look at uh, verse uh, 17 says, And a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den. King sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. So they bring a stone and they seal it. Well, didn't they seal Jesus' tomb? that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. You see, you know, uh, nothing's done except by the determined counsel of God. In Acts chapter 2, verse 23, Scripture says, him being delivered by the determined counsel and foreknowledge of God, talking about Jesus, ye have taken by wicked hands and crucified and slain. You see? And so the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel as far as they were concerned. But they didn't know that God has a will and a purpose in it. You see, sometimes in your life, you go through life and you can't understand why things happen the way they happen. But God has a purpose and a plan. And and somewhere down the road, you get there and you say, huh, I didn't see that. You see? As for me, I had to be broken. I would not serve God in the capacity I was called to do it. I knew I was called to serve, and I ran for years and years. And then finally, I was broken down, and I just got on my knees, and I said, okay, God, I surrender. Whatever it is, I'll do it. I can't run from you anymore. And God uses broken things. He used a broken ship. When Paul was shipwrecked to save the sailors, to save the prisoners, and to save the people on the island. He used the broken vessels to help Gideon. God uses broken things. Neither were instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. You know, this the king, he's, uh, he's burdened in heart. And you know what? All the money in the world can't help him. Money doesn't solve all of a person's problems, by the way. He couldn't even eat. He couldn't eat. What? He was so disturbed over this that, that he was set up, and not only was he set up, but his own people had done it. And how sad he realizes this. You know, in Second Samuel, 
chapter 12, verses 16 and 7. I'm going to go there real quick for you. Listen to this. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verses 16 and 17. David there besought God for the child. And David fasted and went in and lay all night upon the earth. And the elders of the house arose and went to him to raise him up from the earth. But he would not. Neither did he eat bread with them. Okay? So, you know, David had committed adultery with Bathsheba, and the, and the punishment was he would lose that child. And he couldn't eat. And all the power the king had and all the money he had couldn't help him. You see? And music, it, you know, they, it, they wouldn't, it, it couldn't even play music to help him sleep, the king. Nothing will help the king. Verse 16, he told Daniel God would deliver him. And if he really believed that, he'd have been home sleeping. See, he's just trying to make Daniel feel better. Verse 19, then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste unto the den. How about that? Went to the den of lions. The king gets up early in the morning. Okay? And by the way, just like those women did in Matthew 28 when they went to the Lord's tomb early in the morning before sunrise. There's no such thing as sunrise service. Okay? Cut it out. It says they got there before the sun rose. Jesus Christ was already resurrected. He didn't die on a Friday. It wasn't Good Friday. The scriptures say it was a bad Wednesday. You see? Here's the problem with that. While we're on that subject, folks. Okay? He had to come off the cross because the next at 6 o'clock at night, 6.01 began the Sabbath, it said. So all these people come along and they say, oh, the Sabbath is a Saturday Sabbath. Well, you ought to read Leviticus because Leviticus tells you there's holy convocations, which are extra Sabbath days during the feast days. And so Christ is crucified on the Passover, and the next day after the Passover is the Feast of first fruits, and that's an extra Sabbath that day. It's a high day, and the only gospel that tells you that is the book of John, the gospel of John. It's a high day, and that feast runs for seven days, and there's a holy convocation at the end of the seven days. But whatever Sunday comes between during those seven days, that is the Feast of first fruits. And Jesus Christ resurrects on the Feast of first fruits and the Feast of first fruits because they said that Jesus, when you read Corinthians, he is the first fruit of the resurrected. Christ, the first fruits. He gives you the order of the resurrection, all right, of the resurrection of life. And so you, you, you count time as a Jew counts, not as you count time from 12 to 12. 1201 is the next day. A Jew doesn't count time like that. It's from 6 to 6. 6 to 6. That's a Jew. See? But a Gentile counts from 12 to 12. Our day begins at 1201. A Jew's day next day begins at 601. Jesus said, no sign will be given you but the sign of Jonah. Three days and three nights in the whale's belly. You don't get three days and three nights from Friday to Sunday. 
okay, from Friday night to Sunday. What you have is you have Wednesday at 6 o'clock. You have Thursday, which is 6.01 is Thursday, 6 to 6. Then you have Friday, 6 to 6. And then you have Saturday, 6 to 6. And at 6.01 on Saturday to the Jew, it's Sunday, the first day of the week. See, Monday is not the first day of the week. Sunday is. You better look at your calendars, okay? The first day of the week is Sunday. It's the Feast of First Fruits. And Jesus Christ was in that tomb three days and three nights. And when they get there, he's already gone because he resurrected at 6.01. That night, which to a Jew, was Sunday. So there's no sunrise service. And you're worshiping, if you go to the Old Testament, they used to worship the sun, and they'd get together in the morning, and they'd burn cakes and hot cross buns to the queen of heaven. And for your Maryologers out there, I want you to know that Mary can't save you. There's none other name given amongst men under heaven whereby we must be saved other than Jesus Christ. When you pray to Mary for salvation, what you're saying is, I know the judge's mother, I'm going to get off. Amen? There's a lesson to take home. You see, this is the problem with the churches today. They don't preach the word of God. They're afraid to offend you. Can't stand a mealy-mouthed, spineless preacher. Know what you believe, believe what you know, and preach the book. Verse 20. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God, whom thou servest continually, able to deliver thee from the lions? He cried with a lamentable voice. He didn't get comfort from the fasting because he didn't fast and pray. All he did was not eat. Fasting and prayer is to make your voice to be heard on high. You see? There, there are things you should do when you're, you're serving God continually. You seek God. You seek his face. You hope and you praise him. You do God's will. You're obedient. You fear the Lord. You wait on God. You pray. You study the word. You look for the word of God and you, be, you look to the word of God and you be obedient. Do you want all the verses? Because I've got eight verses to go with that. First, is thy God able, able to deliver thee from the lions? Well, look at verse 17, right? Chapter 3. Go back to chapter 3 of Daniel. Look at verse 17. Be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. <laughs> is thy God able? Verse 21. Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. Verse 22. My God has sent his angel and has shut the lion's mouths that they have not hurt me. For as much as before him innocency was found in me, and also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. My God 
has sent his angel. Well, in Daniel 3.28, what did we learn? Daniel 3.28 said, And Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servant that trusted in him, and have changed the king's word, and yielded the bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Amen? Whew, let me tell you. We're going to stop there. It's uh, 757. We're going to pick this up in verse 22. We're going to talk about the angel of the Lord when we come back. And uh, I'll give you some verses, and uh, you can figure it out. Angels in the Bible, by the way, uh, don't have wings. Carol do. Seraphim do. Amen? Uh, angels do not. And angels never appear in the Bible as women, and they never appear with wings. And so we'll pick that up as we get along. All right now, I'd like to pray with you and just uh, thank you for listening tonight. Uh, home, take this message and think about it. Think about the things that were said. Pray about it. Ask God what he wanted you to get out of it. And God bless you. Holy Father, in the name of Jesus, your Son and our precious Savior, for the hour that you've given us on this platform, we ask you to bless Brother Joseph Gibson, who gave us this free hour on this platform to come forward. We ask you that you would bless him financially, physically, Lord, but mostly spiritually. And, God, that you would guide and direct his life, that you would help us, Lord, to do the things that we should do and the things that we have learned this week, Lord, until we meet again on Friday. Lord willing, God bless you, uh, folks. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Brother Joe, turn it over to you. All righty. All right, there you go. That was Dr. Peter Ventura there and uh, doing the book of Daniel. And I've uh, seen not as, not as many people following along tonight. Uh, we still got a bunch in the, uh, on the board, but not as many as we did on Friday. So, which is fine. You know, uh, people are, are busy, you know. This isn't this isn't that important, I guess. Right, Peter? Well, I got a lot of text messages here asking me, can we archive this? So, you know, people, other people yeah, do have things on it, in their it, it is archived. It is archived yeah. already. But it's amazing, yeah. though, how well, so many people can make it to a football game every Sunday, though. Those stadiums are full, I notice. Wow. Boy, oh, boy. <laughs> 50,000, yeah. but, you know, don't want to hear the word of God. And they pay. They pay big bucks, too. Big bucks. Well, you know what it is? Yeah, yeah. You know what it is? They're yeah. afraid. They're afraid. That's what it is. They're afraid. I, I figured it out. People are afraid, and that's fine. You know, I mean, you don't have to be afraid. Nobody's going to bite you here, and we're trying to, you know, just try to, you know, teach you the proper way here. But that's fine. You know, um, the conversations that we had, uh, I don't know if you got any time or not to talk. I don't know if you want to step off, take a break for a few minutes. That's fine. But uh, I know we talked uh, last week uh, on Friday. We got into a little discussion there towards the end. Um, one subject there that did kind of um, – I, I retouched with a couple of those, a couple of people actually you know, after the show or um, and uh, the, over the weekend. And pretty much, yeah, we covered everything thoroughly. But one, one thing I want to reiterate, uh, the, the important part is that I think that the real thing that a lot of people are stuck on, I've been noticing. I mean, everyone's always trying to disprove the Word of God. But one thing I notice is a big, large subject is, is how do we know that this is the true Word of God, the King James Bible? You know, that's the real main question that a lot of people have questions about and criticize, too. You know? Well, and that's well, really, one. you know, go ahead. Yeah, number one. Um, God is God's 
the preserver of his word, not me, not the Lockman Foundation, nor anyone else. It's a promise of God to preserve his word, okay? So uh, when you look at the miraculous way in which he has preserved his word, not only did he say he preserved it, but uh, he said it's above his name, okay? And it's preserved in heaven. And Jesus believed it. He spoke of it. Matthew spoke of it. Isaiah said it. Peter said it. And uh, the psalmist said it. And so when you get down to Psalm 12, 6 and 7, scriptures say the words of the Lord are pure words as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Now notice something. The next verse says, thou shalt keep them. Now I don't care what kind of Bible you have. Oh, well, I mean, I care. But I'm saying it doesn't matter what Bible you have, the new versions. They have changed that word. You see, thou will keep them, the word of God. See, O Lord, thou yep. shalt preserve them from this generation forever, you see. And that's the promise of God. It's the doctrine of the preservation of the Bible, that God would preserve his word. Every new Bible has changed that thou will keep us, the them, that word them to us, meaning Israel. And the words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them, those words, from this generation forever. So God's word is truth and preserved. And it was God who had promised it. Now, there are, you notice it says it's purified seven times, all right? You see, if you get rid of the doctrine, brother, of the preservation of the word of God, that there's no preserved word, then all we have is some scriptures that at one time were laying around and they were the good ones, but now all we have is the best we can get. And that's what God gave us, the best we can get. Now, now I, I have a problem believing that. But also when you study out this about translations, there are seven world languages, Hebrew, Aramaic, Greek, Old Syriac, Old Latin, German, and then English. Okay, those are the seven world yep. languages. And then there are seven steps to the translation of the King James Bible. You start with Tyndale, Coverdale, Matthew, the Great Bible, Geneva Bible, the Bishop Bible, and then the King James. Okay? Now, Wycliffe is excluded because he used Jerome's corrupt Latin version. So we don't Wycliffe. Somebody called him Wycliffe, Wycliffe. Uh, and so, as the word said, his words are pure words, as silver tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times. And so God has promised to keep them. So, so we have the words of God here. And the problem is yeah. that if you water it down, you change it, you get rid of it. You see, wherever there's two authorities, there requires a third. In the Garden of Eden, right, you had God as one authority. The devil showed up as the other authority. Who became the authority? Eve. See, when, you're in, when you go to seminary, if you want to go to a seminary, you go to seminary and you have an NIV and I have a KJV and I say mine says this yep. and yours says that. Well, now we better go ask the professor. Well, who became the authority? Not the word of God anymore. The professor did. That's right. You see? Now, I had and a so translation chart here. Yeah, I had a translation chart from, and also the translation chart of the the timeline there. Uh, remember we had one of those charts. I had one of those charts and I can't find it where, you know, it starts from the beginning of time because man has not been here for a million years. He has not been here for a hundred thousand years, you know, and well, I don't care what kind of bones they dig up, you know? Let me, let so me tell you. I had, go ahead. There's, 
Let me do this one time just for your listeners. If you just be patient with me, you see, here's, here's what these manuscripts that they're using that uh, go against the Texas Receptus are from Egypt, from Alexandria, the School of Philosophy, Platonism, Plato. And so here, here's the bottom line. Just, just bear with me for a minute. Here's what they believe. This is what they're saying. There's no final authority but God. And since God is a spirit, there's no final authority that can be seen, heard, read, felt, or handled. Since all books are material, there's no book on this earth that is final and absolute authority on what is right and what is wrong, what constitutes truth and what constitutes error. There was a series of writings one time which, if they had all been put in one book as soon as they were written the first time, would have constituted an infallible final authority by which to judge, judge truth and error. However, this series of writings was lost, and God who inspired them was, was unable to preserve their content through Bible-believing Christians at Antioch and Syria, where the first uh, Bible teachers were in Acts 3.1, and where the first missionary trip originated, Acts 13.1-6, and where the word Christian originated in 11.26. So, God chose to almost preserve them through Gnostics and philosophers from Alexandria, Egypt, even though God called his son out of Egypt in Genesis 49, Israel out of Egypt in Matthew 2, Jacob out of Israel in Genesis 49, Israel out of Egypt in Exodus 15, and Joseph's bones out of Egypt in Exodus 13. So, there are two streams of Bibles. The most accurate, though of course there is no final absolute authority for determining truth or error, it's a matter of preference are the Egyptian translations from Alexandria, Egypt. They're almost the originals, although not quite. The most inaccurate translation were those brought about by the German Reformation. Luther, Zwingli, Bowler, Zinzendorf, Spenner, E.T. and all. And the worldwide missionary movement of the English-speaking people, the Bible Billy Sunday, Tory, Moody, Finney, Spurgeon, Whitfield, Wessler, and Chapman use. But we can tolerate these if those who believe in them will tolerate us. After all, since there is no absolute authority and final authority that anyone can read, teach, preach, or handle, the whole thing is just a matter of preference. You may prefer what you prefer, and we'll prefer what we prefer, and let us live in peace. And if we can't agree on anything or everything, let us agree on one thing only. There is no final absolute authority of God anywhere on this earth. And that's what they're saying. Amen. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. That makes sense to That's me. That's exactly what they're saying, whether they realize it or not. They're saying yeah. God could not serve his own word. Yeah, I, mean, I always ask that question. You don't think God's powerful enough to... No, but man perverted it. Man twisted it. Man wrote that book. Man, you're trusting man. You're trusting a bunch of men to write the book. You know, <laughs> it's like, so you no, don't believe God can preserve his word. <laughs> well, let me ask you a question. If you had a problem with your engine, right? And you brought it to a mechanic and he couldn't fix it. And you brought it to another mechanic and he couldn't fix it. And after 20 mechanics, it still couldn't get fixed. You might want to bring it to the dealer. All right? Yeah. <laughs> the same thing goes for the Bible. Every one of these new Bibles that have written have been written to improve the King James Bible. There's been a Bible written every six months to, to eight months uh, since, since 1901. If you couldn't improve it by yeah. now, you better go back to the original. Yeah. No, I agree. You know, 
Well, it's the same thing, you know, it's the same thing like, you know, with people and the way they talk, you know, and, and people can't talk and have a logical conversation without arguing or, or cussing and, and yelling at each other and, and coming to, you know, it, it's just it's just the way it is, you know. Look, you know, none of us are perfect. And see, that's another thing, too. People put this standard on Christians that they're supposed to be perfect, you know, that, oh, look at you, look at you, you know, as always, look at you, you don't do this, you don't do that. You know, I mean, that's all, like like you said one time, hypocrites. You know, there's a bunch of hypocrites there, but yet they go to Walmart, there's a bunch of hypocrites walking around Walmart, you know. So, you know, it, it, it's the same. You know, it's just their arguments it's, don't hold up. The problem, instead of watching the Lord, they're watching everybody else. Yeah. And the worst sin they can commit, right, the worst sin you can commit is the one that they're not committing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's the same thing. And, and everybody wants to debate. As I traveled the country and I preached in many churches around the country, I found that there are people who think they were sinners who got saved by grace. You see? Yeah. And they don't realize that they are sinners who got saved by grace. And when you start thinking you were a sinner and you're not anymore, but you were a sinner and you're saved by grace, then you start looking at people with a, with a slant towards them that you're better. And you know what? Sin is not measured by degree. The Lord said if you broke one commandment, you broke it all. Listen, my friend, if you stole a pencil from work or a paper clip, you're as guilty as a murderer in the eyes of God. Sin is sin. Okay? And this idea yeah. that we have degrees of sin, there's degrees of punishment. He said it'd be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for those other people. So there must be degrees of punishment. But sin, there's no degree of sin. Sin is sin. It, one sin put Christ on the cross. Yeah, yeah. That's absolutely correct. And true. Uh, one, remember, you had a, remember we had a debate years ago with the Kermit guy from the Uranta? Remember the Uranta books? Apparently that's making earthers. another big... Yeah, yeah, the flat earthers, you know. And, 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 and he had no argument really for you. Uh, or or debate. Well, you guys had an honest debate. You guys weren't yelling at each other, but you know, it's still. I don't think you changed his view, or or you, or he changed yours. It was mainly for the listeners to to use their own judgment, you know, at that time. But you know, again, I always have the problem with my, my problem is like I said, I'm I'm studying. You know, death death is final, and uh, I have a problem with death. You know, and 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 for me to put from a human's perspective what heaven is going to be like, I just can't comprehend it. You know, it just doesn't make well, sense to me. That's one of my problems. Well, heaven's an eternal place, and how do you comprehend eternity? There are some things that you have to take just, you know, and, and you, know? you have to take the, I mean, uh, uh, we're, there, we know there's a new heaven and an earth. We know there's fruit. We know there's trees. We know there's food. Uh, we we may not comprehend that uh, in, totally in our minds. No, I know. Well, I get, you know, what will our purpose be? You know, what we like here, we have a purpose. What do we do here on earth together? You know, we try to make it through our life to achieve certain things. What will we be trying to achieve in heaven? We'll have everything. If we have everything, there'll be nothing to do. You know, well, that's not, what I have a problem with. Remember, there's a millennium reign coming. And during that millennium reign, the Bible says that the saints will reign as, as priests and kings in that millennium reign. So we'll either serve yeah. or rule. And that's the thing about that parable with the 10 pounds, you know, well, thou was faithful with these 10 pounds. Well, he was faithful with what God had given him. And so he gets that reward and he gets to rule over so many cities. 
see? And so that parable falls into a spiritual application towards the millennium. You see, because the king yeah. comes back. The king is representative of Jesus. He left his kingdom here in the hands of other men. And then he came back, see? And they said, oh, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll kill the king. He's coming. Let's get him. And we'll steal everything he's got. You know, that's the adversary. So, uh, yeah, you're right. With everything that's going on in the world now, it's very, very important because the Jew, the Jew is, is becoming more and more hated today, obviously. It's clear. It's clear cut. But then somebody made a comment, well, the Jew was always hated amongst the world. Look at World War II, you know, and, and then there was peace for a little while where, you know, they got their own state, country back, state of Israel. And then, uh, you know, and now it's back in the question. It's come back again, the Jew. The Jew is becoming the question again. Why? Why is the Jew so important around the world, I wonder? Let's say prove the Bible. All you got to tell them is the Jew. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Israel center the Jerusalem, the center, because that's where the Lord is, and that's where the Lord's going to return to. And so it's always been killed the Jew. Haman tried that. They they tried that to kill the seed. You know, God told Eve in Genesis three fifteen that she would have a seed born of her. And that's the virgin birth. And then immediately, what did Satan do? He wanted to kill the seed. So he knocks off Abel. Well, that wasn't the seed. And so he worked his way all the way through. And then when you get all the way up to Herod, what's Herod do? He says, go out there. And, you know, this is the fantasy people have. They actually believe that Jesus was in the manger when when the king showed up with their gifts. The Bible clearly says he was in a house. And he, he was at least two years old because Herod ordered every child two years old and under to be killed. You see, and so what people do is they just take it for granted what some other religion or some other religious belief teaches without doing the research. Okay, and your thing about death is this: the Bible clearly tells us that a man is a tripartite. He has a spirit, a soul, and a body. Okay, and and when Rachel was dying, and Benjamin was being born, clearly says that her soul was departing her body. When her soul mm-hmm. was in the park, okay? And so then when you study the New Testament, you get into Colossians, you discover that God performs a spiritual circumcision. That's being born again. And when you receive Christ and receive the Holy Spirit, something miraculously happens to a person. That's why he's a new creature in Christ Jesus. There, there's a spiritual circumcision that takes place where the flesh is cut from the soul and, and the spirit. And so sin is attributed to the flesh, not to your soul, not to your spirit. If you died right now, yep. you go to heaven. You're saved. You're a Christian. You're sealed by the Holy Spirit. That's the promise. Okay? And so some things you have to take in faith. But there are truths. And Jesus Christ, he resurrected. He came back from the dead. He was seen by over 500 people. And some of them were alive at the time Paul was around still. And then you have the testimony of the four Gospels. And then you have over 40 prophecies of where Christ was going to be born, how he was going to be born, how he was going to die. I mean, crucifixion wasn't even created yet. And Daniel said, and, in, and David said in Psalm 22, they pierced my hands and they pierced my feet. You see? Crucifixion wasn't yeah. They didn't invent it to five to seven hundred years Christ yeah. was born. And yet those... I know you made a comment about Prophet Muhammad. You made a prophet about, about Prophet Muhammad, but somebody put in the chat room. He says, "True, true sin is sin, 
somebody put, and then God will let the chosen people have a home when they realize Jesus had come. As Jesus had come, until then they must walk the earth. What's that mean? I don't know what what he's trying to mean there. But well, what he's what he's saying is, uh, you know, when you read Romans chapter seven, well, what happened was that the Jews will recognize their Messiah, and until that point, they're in trouble. And remember this: at the cross of Jesus Christ, they said this: His blood be upon us and our children. Yeah, and that yeah been ever since. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, you know, like I said, it's a very it's a tur- turbulent time right now around the world. You know, the center of the world, like you just said, is Jerusalem and 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 the Jew. You know, it's the con- most controversial talk about. Look how fa- fast it spread wildfire around the world. You know, I mean, it's, come on, it's a scary time. But remember that all these nations come against Israel. Yeah. Okay. There's sheep and the goat judgment of nations, those nations that came against Israel and those that tried to help Israel. And uh, um, it says that Jerusalem is going to be surrounded and it's going to be, it's called the times of the Gentiles. And we're studying that in the book of Daniel Uh, in 606 BC, it began when Nebuchadnezzar came down into Israel and took them to Babylon. And then in 583, he came back and he took the rest of them more and so that was the times of the Gentiles. And, and when, when we study, when we get to chapter 9 and we study Daniel's 70th week, okay, then we're going to, I'm going to tie it in for you to, to Revelation chapter 11 because that's where the times of the Gentile ends, you see. And not the fullness of the Gentiles, but the times of the Gentiles. It begins in 606 B.C. with the carrying away off their land, but it ends when Jerusalem surrounded, okay, and the last and then time what happened? Picture bogged down Jerusalem. You see, and so uh, Israel's always going to be there. It, it, it may get it may get beat up, banged up, but it's always going to be there. It's always going to be a land. God's always going to protect it, and it doesn't matter how many Muslims come against it or how many you know radicals or whatever. And this idea that people say, well, there's moderate Arabs and there's moderate Islamists. Well, if you read the Quran. It's quite clear you're not to befriend a Christian or a Jew and that it's okay to make peace with them to get your final objection, which is what? World domination, a caliphate, a world caliphate. That's what ISIS was about. And that's what's going on with Iran, sponsoring all these different terrorist organizations. They're trying to build a single caliph, get rid of the infidel. And the infidel is anybody who will not submit to Muhammad. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, you got people out there shouting their own death. You got people shouting their own crucifixion out there. <laughs> you know, uh, Saladin, Suleiman Bey, he tried that same thing with the Ottoman Empire. And he got all the way up there. And, and, and we talked about that one time. That from the island of Crete, the battle was so vicious between the Muslims and the Christians that the Muslims grabbed the Christians' dead bodies, nailed them on crosses, and floated them across the island to the island. And Lavalier was there. Lavalier chopped off the Muslims' heads, stuffed them in cannons, and fired them back. I mean, that's how vicious these guys were with each other. But it took Charles Martel at the Battle of Tours, and he's known as in history as the Hammer, Charles Martel. He fought all night with them, and they, I mean all day, and then they both retired to their camps at night. And when Charles Martel came back with his Christian army, they were gone. They went back across and into Africa. They, the Muslims took off. The Ottoman Empire was finished. 
see? And there's a lot yeah. of history, Joe, that, that we are not taught, you see? And, and so when, when Columbus was sailing the ocean blue, they're not telling you how the queen of Spain was running Christians and Jews out of, out of Spain, you see, and persecuting. Yeah. That's not told. All we learned about was Columbus. He sailed the ocean blue in 1492, you know, but they're, they're not teaching real history. And so anybody who's listening, you really want to get a bite out of history, you get Usher's uh, Annals of History and, and the uh, Annals of the World, it's called, and it's by James Usher. And it's, uh, it's about a four-inch thick book. And uh, you read it, and each it's telling you, you see, the Bible's history of Israel primarily, okay? And so yeah. when you read secular history, you learn what was going on. And so what Usher did was he brought world history along with, Christ, along with biblical history. And while he's telling you what's going on in Israel and with the Israelites, he's also telling you what's going on in the world, you see? Because we're going to get to the place where we get to the he-goat in Daniel that comes from the east, and he conquers, and then his kingdom's divided into four. And that's Alexander the Great. You see, because when Ale- after Alexander the Great conquered all that territory, he died. He died a young man. But his, his four generals, they took over his four, you know, split his, his kingdom, all that he had conquered. They split between them, the four of them. And that's biblical. And that's why people don't like the book of Daniel, because we're going to get so close to history, people are going to say, oh, well, that was written after. See? But it wasn't. It's yeah. just like we learned about Cyrus the king. The Bible said in Isaiah, 720 years before Cyrus is even born, that Cyrus would be born and he would release him to Israel, Israel to go back to Jerusalem. And he did. Yeah. Well, I had that other conversation also with uh, Mike and uh, this guy Dan uh, over the weekend. And the one sub, one other, I forgot one other one thing that was mentioned about that, that the, that the, Adam was ruddy, red, and therefore he he had to be white. Uh, and and all the other races are are are. I, I forgot how he worded it, but we're after Jacob. Uh, uh, I, I wish he was here, but he's not here. So because he, he could have told me then, said he was going to uh, reword, re, reword reword that question for me. But of course, they you know they're not. But uh, explain Adam the ruddy 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 Adam's name, the foundation of Adam's name, and who came from Adam. We all came from Adam, correct? That's right. And, and the word Adam means red or ruddy. And, and he came from clay, right? Red. red yeah, that's what they're saying. Yeah. David was ruddy. He was a ruddy man. The word ruddy, you can study the word to, you know, through the Bible. It's how it appears in the beginning, you know? But yeah, there's no word in the Bible called race. Okay? It doesn't say the races. That's some of the new Bibles do, you see, because yep. they're satisfying us. But we're, we're all from of one blood, and that's clear from the Bible. Scriptures tell us we're of one blood. But different tribes, correct? Well, the Israelites came from the seven tribes, I mean the 12 tribes. But you have to understand that there, there were people outside the tribe of Israel, too. Remember Abel and Cain, Cain's people, see, they, Cain was yep. cast out of the presence of God. You know, that's where you find, you know, secular music comes from when you study Cain. Well, wait a second, His what people was Cain then? What people were Cain? Where did he, he didn't come from Adam, Cain? 
Canaanites. Yeah, he came from Adam, but he was cast out of the presence of God. You see? Okay. And then you have then you get into Isaac and Ishmael. Who was Ishmael? All right. Well, God had promised Abraham that he would be the father of many nations and that he would give him a child and that child would be the child of promise. And through that child's lineage, genealogy, would come the Messiah. All right? So instead of Abraham waiting on God, his wife, they got tired. They were old. And she said, listen, you're never going to have an heir. So you might as well, I'm too old. You might as well go in onto my maid, Hagar, and have a child with her. And then you're going to have an heir. And so he goes in onto Hagar, who's an Egyptian. And he has a child named Ishmael. You see, and God, no, the child is Isaac. And so in her old age, she has the child and his name is Isaac. And Isaac's name means laughter because when God told, when God told Abraham that they would have a child, Sarah laughed because she was so old, you see, but they got, they had a God. Had they listened to God and waited, we wouldn't have a problem with Ishmael today. And Ishmael's a wild man. His hand is against every man, and every man's hand is against him. That's the Middle East, my friend. Uh-huh. All right. That's not the Jew, though, right? Those aren't the Jews. You're talking the Arabs. I got somebody with their oh. hand up. I recognize the number, so I I, I know it's going to be somebody level-headed. Uh, but in case it's not, uh, if anybody cusses or swears or comes out the size of their mouth or, or if there's a troll, I'll hang up on you in a second. One second flat. So go ahead, two, three, four. Hello? What's going on, you guys? How you doing? All right. Okay, yeah, I recognize the number. Yeah, I thought it was you maybe, but I just want to make sure because I've been getting Dr. hit with trolls lately. I, I got a question for Dr. Ventura. I mean, I've been looking into a lot of different things, and the more I look at Scripture – when I see that uh, Adam and Eve, when Cain and Abel were born, now Cain kills Abel because he's jealous, because he's not of his father, doesn't have the qualities of Adam. Now, are we talking about Cain actually being, uh, or his father being Lucifer, as in going into the Garden of Eden and sleeping with Eve? And given birth to Cain, which is the son of the devil, then? That's a, that's a very good point, and I'm glad you brought that up, because uh, it's not taught uh, often, and when it is, uh, it's confusing. And so um, there's a fellow named Branahan, if you've ever studied Branahan, and he <laughs> appears in one of his books where he's standing there, it looks like there's a halo over his head. And what Branahan taught was that uh, Cain was the child of Lucifer, and that was the fruit of the garden. Okay? Mm-hmm. And, and I particularly, uh, I don't buy that story. Uh, I don't believe that. Cain and Abel were twins, and Adam and Eve were taught that in order to be forgiven for sin, you had to have the sacrifice of an innocent. So there was the lamb. It had to be the shedding of blood. And somebody, so, and so had you said Cain and Abel were twins. Yes, they were. Oh, okay, I never heard that before. Now that makes that changes the narrative. There, I would have never a second. So I don't, I've never seen that. Yeah, because it's, when you read it, you go over there and read it again on when they're born, and she conceived again. Okay. 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 And so, so now, what happens is why Cain kills Abel 
it isn't that he was jealous of him. It was that Cain, Abel brings the sacrifice he's supposed to, a lamb. God mm-hmm. had taught them. Right. Okay. And Cain was stuck raking the raking the garden. <laughs> right. He's he's he you know he's looking over there and he's and you know Cain probably told him about all the blessings God's given him and and you know he's and, you know uh, uh, Cain I mean Cain's sitting over there looking and he's working his garden like a madman. Well, remember the earth mm-hmm. was cursed, so he's bringing yes. what's cursed. To- and then when he gets yeah, cast he had out, nothing nothing really valuable to give to him. He he just he felt. Almost like betrayed because he's his other brother had the opportunity to give the sacrifices like he did where he couldn't, although he well, wanted he to. An old brother and said, "Could I have a lamb for the sacrifice?" And he chose not to. He chose he chose to bring his own sacrifice. In other words, he he's a type of guy who thinks he's going to get to heaven by his own works. Right. You see. Okay. Now here's another that, question I have for you on that. When he when he was approached by God and he said that. He couldn't go out amongst the people because he knew that they would kill him. Is that correct? Because they, they knew that he had committed the murder. Right. So with him doing that, God puts on a mark on him that nobody is to touch him. Now, is correct. that mark that he put on him, the mark of the beast that they or talk of maybe, and that he still walks this earth today as that person? No, if I, told you, if I tell you this. Uh, if you open, you have a Bible with you. Open it up to the Book of Acts. Yeah. All right. All right. Let me grab one real quick. Yep. Right. Remember what? Re, remember what Jesus said. Jesus said that none were lost of the disciples except the son of perdition. Okay. Okay. So when you get to Acts chapter one, and they're picking another apostle to fill in the place of Judas. You get over to verse 24. It says, and they prayed and they said, thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, shew whether of these two thou hast chosen, that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. Remember what Jesus said to Judas, have not I chosen you 12 and one of you is a devil? Yes, he did. That's right. And Judas yep. went to his own place. Okay, I'm at Acts 10 now. Oh, you know, you go to Acts chapter 1. Oh, chapter 1. I think it's 10. Acts chapter 1 here. Yeah, verse 20, uh, 24 and 25 uh, and 26. But verse 24 and 5 says, uh, let me know when you're there. We'll read it together. Okay, so then, and then they prayed? Right. And they prayed and said, thou, Lord, you right. know, it's the all men, shoot whether these two that was chosen. Then the next verse is key. He says that he may take part of the, this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell. Here's the key, that he might go to his own place. Oh. Now, okay. all right, all right. So, and then Jesus said, had said to him that I chose you to all, have not I chosen you to all, one of you is a devil. And then he prayed in, in John chapter 17, that none was lost except the son of perdition. Wow, right. what's that got to do with Cain, though? So, well, hold on. So, the, so, well, I'm trying to clarify that Cain is not the Antichrist. Okay. okay. He's not the devil. All right. And by the way, Cain goes in 
Cain, this is where we get into where music comes from when you're studying the life of Cain. Cain's people were the artifacts of all kinds of musical instruments. And the reason why is because that's where secular music came from. He was no longer in the presence of God. He could no longer sing God's songs that were glorifying to God, you know. And so they sang their right. sad song, you know, a veneer on society. But uh, so the son of perdition is Judas Iscariot. And so if you really studied the whole thing out, here's what you'll conclude. To. People will say, I'm crazy. They can say whatever they want. But if you really study the whole thing out, and it takes study to do it, all right, you know that the Bible tells you the Antichrist goes into perdition. Mm-hmm. And then that wicked one is revealed. Okay? And so the Antichrist gets wounded in the head, and he resurrects. Yes. Well, he's got to have a spirit, he's got to have a soul, and he's got to have a body. And I believe the body of the Antichrist is laying there. The soul that enters him is the soul of Judas Iscariot. He's the son of mm-hmm. perdition, and he's the devil, and the spirit is Satan. And then he goes into the, he goes into the temple, and he sets up his idol, and he says, I am God, and the world is to worship me. Is he going to do that to the Vatican? He's going to do that. Well, you know, did you say the Vatican? Yeah, is he going to? Is that where they talk about the beast coming from the, the, the sea? Uh, are we talking about the the, uh, the Vatican or the Italy? Well, that possibly. When you, get to, when you get to Rome, in chapter seventeen of the Book of Revelation, okay, mm-hmm. you have to understand the mystery of Babylon. Okay, and the mystery of Babylon was the Mithraism religion, and they had a golden chalice. And in order to be initiated in the go- in the religion, you had to be a- you had to drink from that golden chalice, okay. And so the woman who rides the beast, I believe, is the Roman Catholic Church, and she's riding the okay. beast. She is not the beast. She's riding it. And when you're she's ri- riding the beast. Okay, you're right. I remember that now. Yep. Okay, and he- and the beast is allowing her to have control. Because he can throw her off any time. Right. Okay. So the woman's riding the beast, and you find out that he, she gets destroyed. And the reason why she gets destroyed is because uh, he's not going to have anybody worship anybody who says anything about Jesus. Right. Even though they claim to be Christians. Okay. Now, remember, Catholicism yep. teaches that you get your salvation by eating Christ, that host, the yeah. bread. Right, drink him and drinking his blood. Right, and you have to drink his blood. Okay, and in the early Christian Catholic Church, if you study the history, if you spilt that blood, you were actually and now, you know now you now tell them. And, and now we talk about the Khazarians. You know the Khazarians who the people. I'm starting to find out more now about the king where they were actually from to begin with. Not before before Khazaria, where they came down from below Mongolia and Turkey, they. Their king had a choice. He was given a choice to pick Judaism, Christianity, or Muslim. And he picked Judaism, and that group of that wandering tribe of people previous that had a bad name as the name stealers, where they, they murdered people through the, the silk trade or the silk road where people would, it was accommodations when you traveled and traded back then. If you stayed in someone's place, they put you up, they fed you, and you went on your way. It was, it was a hospitality thing. Well, these people would take them in, they would murder them, assume their identity, and travel on like that. Now, they became powerful with money and greed. Then they be, 
they came into Khazaria, which is now the Ukraine, and they, their king took on Judaism, which then gives you your Zionism and all that. But yet these are the ones that the Bible in Revelation says they call themselves Jews, but they're not Jews. They are actually right. because they, they took they took on Judaism. That doesn't make them Jews. And that's what I'm told today now is the Ashkenazi sect, which is not of any descent, Middle Eastern whatsoever, zero DNA. They are completely a false Jew name that, like back then, deceive and lie to this day still do it. And they still, and these are the ones that are, when we have all these arguments, we talk about, you know, people say Jew. When you say Jew, you automatically assume Nazi. You have those two hand in hand and you have this anti-Semitic thing where you can't talk about them. I finally figured out who the people are, because Joe would always ask me, why you got to say, why is it the Jews? It's not the Jews. These are the people I'm talking about now. And they're the right. new Khazarian, the king from that wandering tribe, nomadic tribe. Yes. And then you see, you have a, uh... Uh, where he said they they are the synagogue of Satan that claims yes. to be they claim to be but they weren't. But here's something else yep. I wanted to tell you how how Satan's seat gets to Rome. See, people don't study history, but what happened was when the wise men were run out of Babylon, the Mithraism religion, when the when the high priestess died of the Mithraism religion, he gave it everything to the to the king of Pergamus. Mm-hmm. And the king of Pergamus had now the golden chalice. And so Satan's seat moved from Babylon to Pergamus. And that's why it says in Revelation chapter 2, verse 12, and to the angel of the church of Pergamus, write these things, saith he which has the charge for Then it says, I know thy works and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seat is. But what happened in history was when the king of Pergamus died, he bequeathed all the rights to the Mithraeus religion to Rome. Right. And that's when the, the, the church start, took over. And that's when Satan's seat went from Pergamus to Rome. Mm-hmm. See, and that's where it sits now. And people you know, are going to be that chalice at today. <laughs> people, people are going to be surprised in the end when they find out you know, she's the whore that sits on the seven hills. She had a bunch of little harlots. Well, harlots are prostitutes, and prostitutes are not born. They're made. And those are all the churches right. that protected her and broke away. But now they're coming back to her. See? This is that it's a, the prostitute is the religions that have been basically uh, prostituted out, right. trying to do their well, own they, thing and get away from God. Yeah. Yeah, they protested her. The Roman Catholic Church, yep. but now pulling back to her. See this one, this idea of this uh, United Christian Church, where ecumenicism, we're all going to get together, and and that's anti-biblical. All right. So anything what, that ends what, in ISM, I've learned anything: Catholicism, uh, Marxism, communism, anything that has ISM as the last three, <laughs> it's awful. I haven't found anything good. Nothing. Well, same thing with minx, jinx, lynx, sphinx. Yes. <laughs> now, where is that ch- that chalice you were just talking about? Where is that at now? Because you know something with that much importance, that had to be something that Adolf Hitler was chasing after. Is that at the Biden somewhere in the Vatican? I, sure. Absolutely. But then again, it's them because they claim to have everything. They claim they have pieces of the cross and, and uh, right. you know, walked on. I think they said 
I think they said they had Moses' gym bag. I'm not sure. Probably. Probably. So what you said said earlier is that all the countries, no matter what they do, attacking Israel, they're not going to succeed, no matter what. Right. They know they shouldn't. No, but when we get down, when we study Daniel's 70th week, I'm going to break it down by the Jewish calendar, and I'm going to give you the days and the months and how you can figure out uh, this thing and then how to bring it to uh, Revelation chapter 11. Now, once you understand Daniel, you'll understand Revelation. Once you get Revelation, you'll understand Matthew in a different light. Am I wrong in saying that the Palestinians – have been done wrong for a long time. Just, I mean, everybody's been done wrong in this world. But am I, am I fair to say that you have a, a group of people in Israel that are funded by the United States of America. We give them everything we have, top-of-the-line weapons, everything, down to the boots and the, the strings that tie their boots. You have the Palestinians who are a group of people that have been pushed out of that area. They've been silenced due to the, the media control. And put into a basic, almost like a camp where they, can, they can't come and go as they wish, but they have fought tooth and nail to this day still with less people, less weapons, and they, I mean, the advantage has been totally against these people. That's where I think that when they talk about, you're not going to defeat Israel because the, the, the true Palestinians that were well, first, pushed out first of there... Are the people fighting like crazy? That are have have I mean they're just actually taking on people with the the, the uh, advantages that they have while they're fighting with sticks and rocks and whatnot, like it's like a, a medieval type battle. And they, they well, here's the problem. Yet. The problem. The problem is we go back to Isaac and Ishmael, and and so that's the real problem. And the problem is mm-hmm. they believe that the land belongs to them through Ishmael. And the promises of Isaac belong to Ishmael because he was of the seed of Abraham. And they believe that Isaac stole the promises, and uh, although the promises were made to Isaac. And the other thing is that there never was a country called Palestine. It was a land. It was a land, and it was ruled by 25 kings. Yep. And so it, it never belonged to them. It was given by God to Israel to start with. And so uh, when Israel was removed off their land, remember, it was, a, you know, they just kind of moved in and said, okay, you know, this is ours now. And, and why, are they yeah. so hell, why are they so hell-bent on, the, why is everybody so hell-bent on the, the fall of America, the West, Gog and May, the Battle of Gog and Magog, because the more I see it, you know, when you talk about the people, that, that sect of people, I talk about the Khazarian people, and then you have the the what do you want to call them radical muslims the muslims they want all of everybody dead christians dead but then you turn around you have the same people with the ashkenazi or the uh these these rabbis i can watch and see these videos today where they talk about the noahide laws and they say that the gentile and the goyim they speak the same tongue that the muslims speak about killing gentiles and the goyim the americans or the west crushing the west and the Ashkenazi sect of it says they can't have their Messiah until we are all destroyed. So, and they, they believe in Lucifer, the light bearer. I, I'm wholeheartedly believe that they are a sect of satanic cultists 
with uh, child sacrifice, firstborn sacrifice still, and the pedophilia is okay, where the Muslim isn't like that, but yet they both speak of the fall of the common Aryan or the Caucasian and America. Yeah, well, you got you know you got most you know you start reading some of the writings of uh, uh, some of the latter Jews, you know the Talmud, you know which is not mm-hmm. scripture, and, and the Gromaras, they're not scripture, and and you read you know those those people are infiltrated by the adversary, you know, and the truth right. is this: Israel was chosen by God to bring the word of God to the world. They failed, so God inserted this time period we call the church age, this age of grace that we're in right now. And this time period is a time now where the Gentiles are to provoke the Jews to jealousy by us preaching the gospel. And uh, and so the end of this time period, when this rapture occurs and we're out of here, the Christians are gone, then God goes back to dealing with the Jews. And, and you can see that in Scripture. You see the first day mm-hmm. that Jesus showed up, John the Baptist preached, behold, the Lamb of God. Then day two, Behold the Lamb of God. Then day three, there's a wedding. And then he goes to the well. He comes from uh, uh, Judea, and he stops at the Samaritan well, talks to the Gentile, but he spends two days there. And and the Holy Spirit makes sure we know it's two days. And then he goes from there to the Jew. So he goes just like it was, Old Testament Jew. Then you got Gentile right now. And then in the trib, he goes back to dealing with the Jews. So you're going Galilee, Samaria. And uh, uh, I mean, uh, Judea and Galilee. So you see that all through the scriptures that, that, you know, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Abraham, Old Testament, Isaac, New, you know, the church age, the promise, and then Jacob, mm-hmm. Jacob, which is tribulation. You know, well, we're not talking about Jesus Christ coming back, right? We're not talking about Jesus Christ coming back. We're talking about actual God because. Is, are we talking about the same situation where he he walks up on Abraham with the other two angels before and he and, uh, takes him in his house and then the other two go crush Sodom and Gomorrah? It's well, like that's that. a theo- that's that's a theophany of Christ before he was at the cross. Mm-hmm. He's the angel. Now, what does of the he Lord. talk about coming with a, his tongue being a sword? That's Armageddon. Okay. That, that's when he comes back, and, and he's going to light it up. And we come back with him, Joel chapter 2. We are that army. Is that the 144? No, that 144 are who preach, um, who, who preach uh, the, uh, you know, uh, to the Jews. They're, they're 144 male virgins. Okay. They, they get to God. But, you know, Jehovah Witnesses said that was them. Until they got 144 in one member. <laughs> wait, all right, wait a second here. 144,000. Yeah, 144,000. I, I thought that was the truest, still today remaining bloodline from Adam, not through Cain, but through the Abel side. That would be the 144. When it gets down to those are the last ones, then the the circus, the show begins. Turn all the lights off. It's time to get time to get busy. Well, you know, it, it, it's the the hard thing for people is to realize that you have to rightly divide the word of God. If you don't, then you'll think everything in that Bible applies to you. Doctrine. Right? No, it doesn't. No, I do believe the no. Bible is written for our time, and for us yeah. as a. 
we had a lady on the program, and she told me, you know, C.I. Schofield invented dispensation, all that nonsense. And I, you know, gave her the names of people from the 1400s and 1200s and before who were dispensations. But what I told her was this. When you go to Galatians, Paul said, if any angel come preaching any other gospel than, than the gospel that Paul's gospel, death, burial, and resurrection, Jesus Christ, let him be cursed. And so I asked the lady, mm-hmm. I said, you know, I'm not being a wise guy. I said, but how come when you get to the book of Revelation, there's an angel preaching another gospel? Why isn't he cursed? He's preaching the everlasting gospel. And she said, well, I don't know. Because he's in a different dispensation. He's in the tribulation. You have to know where you are in your Bible. You see, right. We, yeah, and a lot of I people won't. think that you start in Genesis and it ends in Revelation. That's how the books of the Bible went in order. That's not true. Well, Job was the oldest That's book not the order. In the Bible. That, that, it's crazy. I yeah, think Job's Job the oldest is, book in the Bible, isn't it? Job is. Yeah, Job is. Yeah. yeah. So you would think that but, would be the first book. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Well, you know, and, and it comes to this. It comes to people who are not willing to do the work. That's why God said study it. He reveals himself through your study. He reveals your, himself through scripture by scripture, verse by verse teaching so that he reveals the, the deeper things of God. There are things in the Bible that, that God, you know, and everybody's grown at a different pace. I understand that. So Mary shows up at the temple. Jesus says, you know, wish you not, that must be about my father's business. The Bible says Mary didn't understand that. She put it in her heart. So there's some things that aren't for us at this time. And as we are growing in Christ, we just read those things, and we, we don't really understand. We put them in our heart. And then later, God reveals it, and then we get it, and we say, oh, that's what that is, see? Because it wasn't, we weren't, you can't, you got to eat, drink milk, and then strong meat. And you can't start out looking for strong meat. You'll choke to death. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I, yeah. I'm a, I, I went to church for 13 years, three times a week when I was young, voluntarily. And then I had a problem with the, uh, uh, the pastor, and I quit going. And I lost my faith in God altogether, and I became almost an atheist. I, I, I was not on a bad path, but I just believed that there was things happening that shouldn't happen that can't happen because of that. When COVID hit, I sat down, and it started this for me, and I have gotten so deep into this now. And a lot of people say that they, can't, they don't even recognize me anymore because when they talk to me, they, don't, they understand that I know what the hell I'm talking about because I've done the research. And I believe that this COVID might have been something to – they wanted to do this as a new world agenda type thing, you know, to take control over all this. But I think it backfired on them because there's people like me that are so passionate for what I believe in. And I, and I honestly, God, believe there's a, a supreme God. I believe that there's, there's those under him, those angels and whatnot. They call them deities, whatever. I, have, I can't figure it all out because there's so many different ways of going. But I do believe that there are a bad sect of people on this planet that worship oh, their God and want us dead and gone as much yes, as we sir. want to love our God. And we're too passive. Yeah. Yeah. And and who's behind? I think they want to wipe us out. <laughs> yeah, but, but now look at the spiritual side. Who do you think is behind them? Satan. Well, I know it's Lucifer, Ball, whoever, Baal. Because, yeah, because Satan's behind them. And the re- and and it's his it's uh, it's his spirit. Some of these people are possessed and don't even know. Mm-hmm. It. You know, some people are serving Satan. They don't realize they are. They're sincere in their beliefs. One of the funniest things I'll tell you something. Here's here's how deceptive Satan can be. 
in prison, there, there's a Muslim guy, and, and I'm watching him, and he gets his carpet out and his prayer rug, and he gets down on his knees to pray. And as he's doing that, the cell in front of where he's about to pray, the guy's playing Black Sabbath, you know, some satanic <laughs> And the guy gets up, and he walks away because he believes that Satan is that guy's worshiping Satan. See? Now, he's so deceived that he doesn't realize that he's not even worshiping God. But Satan's got him believing that that guy's wrong, and you're right. So you see what I'm saying? That deception? Yes. Yeah. And that's a deception. Now, can I ask you, I've mentioned this before with Joe several times on his shows. I understand in 2017, Donald J. Trump in the White House, in the Oval Office, denounced Christianity as his religion, accepted Judaism, and is now gone that way. Have you heard anything of that? No. In fact, I had met uh, some folks who used to pray with him every morning and go in there and read Mm -hmm. the Bible with him. And they're different people. They're different ministers. Uh, They were Christians, and they, they, they go in and they pray with him. He's the only guy that said, you know, when he was up there, they said to him, Mr. Trump, you, you real, on live TV, they said, you realize you're the most important person in the world. And he said, no, I'm not. And they said, yes, you are. And he said, no, I'm not. There's somebody he more important. That's right. what he said. Jesus Christ is. Do you think that that guy, do you think that he had, I, I had a big conversation with a guy in the military today, and I told him, I said, we know for a fact that Donald Trump was one of 14 people that was asked in 2008, there was a billionaire with no political ties, to represent as president. That's what they needed. Uh, the commander in general, not a president, because a president runs a corporation, which a corporation is bankrupt. We go through all that crap. We already know that. The commander in chief runs the country. He's in, he's in control of the power of the military. You look at the, the codes and the laws, and that's how it works out. Do you think that Donald Trump took, I mean, I know a lot of his family's married into that, that sect of Ashkenazi, Kushner, all of them, his wife, they're all of a Jewish faith, Judaism, but did Donald J. Trump do this because he's so such a patriot in America? And he's getting you in order to get to the enemy. You have to become the enemy, like he's almost Donnie Brasto type stuff. Is he doing that? Well, because Netanyahu yeah. says, "Come over to Israel, and you can be a prime minister. You can escape the, the court system here in America. Come on over here." Here's what I think. You're going to see a surprise if they get those cameras in this courtroom. He's going to reveal the deep state. He's going to reveal God, what I hope so. He's going to reveal what corporate America is. I mean, this is what I was told a long time ago that this he did this purposely. There was a whole purpose behind this, and that he when he gets to that courtroom, then the world's going to hear it. And these people Do in you America, realize, I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people in the MAGA movement, people they're they're tricked in way some the, the propaganda through that. But you, people don't realize, if you get into watching some of the Israel uh, TV outlets and the information that comes out of different places other than mainstream media, the projection that the, the Jewish faith has in Donald Trump, they, some of these rabbis are literally, they gave him the crown of Torah several months ago. They, that, he got that. He moves the capital, Jerusalem. He, he is their number one guy. They believe that he may be their next Messiah. And I swear to you, that's why I've watched these rabbis say on television live, and last week was the most recent one, 
If he's infiltrated well, them that deep and he's seen, he's put it, subjected himself to this, then Donald Trump, I, I apologize, and you are the man. Because I, that's I don't, serious, you know, serious I don't, stuff right there. You know, that's, you know, this, uh, you know, and then there's the other story too, that he may be part of the deep state, but, you know, but I, I, I've heard what you've heard and, uh, right. I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we, yeah, we, that's the thing. we don't know until he's going to drop that bomb. And if he is, and he's going to do that. My only question is like, I asked this military guy and I go, when is the line going to be drawn that we that America can no longer take what it's taking, like the, the invasion, the things that are going on with this puppet, Mr. Potato Head, that's in there, and we say, okay, it's got to stop now because there's actually too many of these people because there's a lot of people to, for collateral damage to, to do the deep state removal. How many of us have to be subject to this collateral damage? Because I'm telling you right now, this infiltration, they're not, everybody's worried about the north or southern border. There's over 800 people a day coming in across the northern border. That's a lot of people. Yep. 800 a yep. day is a lot of people. Not, yep. not, not talking about thousands, but we're so far gone now in America. I don't, are, we, are we even salvageable? I don't is know. This, I mean, this whole system, <laughs> it's crazy. I don't think so. I think book out if you like to read. Okay? Oh, yeah. And I don't, there's a guy, and you must have heard of him, Jonathan Kahn. Yes, he's a Jew down in uh, Jewish guy, Christians in Lodi, New Jersey, I believe. And he put out a book, and uh, and you should get it. But he's not King James only, and I don't believe everything he says in the book. And I wrote him a letter one time because he used the Jerusalem Bible, and I said, you know, why don't you cut that out? And you call yourself a Messianic Jew, and you have no business doing that because there's neither Jew nor Christian. And I said, so that's what happened in Jerusalem. The Jews wouldn't give up their Jewishness, and God had to send in a persecution. But that's he, right. wrote a, he wrote a book called The Return of the Gods. You could probably buy it at Walmart or anywhere for a few dollars. And pick up that book, and it's going to give I you will. a strict insight, see, because he's done a lot of historical study on pagan gods. And, and and remember, you know, he tells the story about the pagan gods. Well, those pagan gods, once Christianity and Judeo-Christianity came into the world, Zeus and those people were finished. But there was truly a god behind that, you know, a spirit. And uh, he tells you how, how they infil- came back in and infiltrated Western civilization. And how they, you know, back then they controlled whole nations and whole whole cities. And, you know, like Diana. That's, that's where I... I, I I want to ask, then I would ask if they had that much control, and they and they are. It's a fact that the the people that studied Judaism were actually the first people who had control of massive amounts of printing. There were to the media that you had your newspapers, your not the news, but your actual written and typed uh, receipts for things were kept by the Judaism or, or these people and. How much of the actual Bible have they altered to the, to, 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 fill, fulfill, uh, to fulfill their self fulfilling well, prophecy? I don't. I don't believe they couldn't do all of it. I believe that God's preserved His Word, and it's found in this King James Bible. I believe that's the preserved Word of God inerrantly, and and uh, it stands the test of time. But here's right. here's what I here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a step back now, and you see okay. the cathartic. You see Biden, 
you see what's going on at the border. You see what's going on in the world. You have to take a step back now and not look at the man, but look behind it and say, mm-hmm. okay, what, what spirit? Like when Paul was in uh, uh, up in Athens there, up at Mars Hill in that area, and then remember they went over uh, uh, Thessalonians, and then as they're traveling, they come across Diana, and the whole city, the whole yeah. town, Diana. Diana is their God, okay? Well, well, there was, there's a spirit behind that. There's a demonic spirit, and that spirit entrapped those people. They served that spirit. They worshiped that spirit. They, they gave their children to that spirit. They sacrificed to that spirit. It wasn't God. And so those spirits gained control over those people. And, and when you look at character, that's what I was trying to say today about Baalism. You see the bull over there in, mm-hmm. in uh, what do you call And people don't know that they brought from Palmyra, they brought the arch to New York City. And they had it set well, up. The arch, yeah, it, like the one in St. Louis. Yeah, right, right. But the uh, Palmyra I've seen something arch, about that. That's some crazy stuff about that yeah, arch and how, they, how that works on, on the structures of all the buildings, how, what it does. Yeah, symbolism. And so, you know, and just like in, in, in Italy, you know, have you ever really looked at a crucifixion and you see the hands yes. of the Lord and they got the two fingers? Have you ever noticed that? Yep. Two yep. fingers. Do you know what those two fingers represent? They represent apostolic ascension and world. Okay, now, which, which way is it now? The Baphomet type deal where you have it's crazy because you know you had Spock used to take his fingers and make that V. The Pope does that. That's something that's been right. done by the Pope for a long time. Yeah, Tomoz. And that's the uh the goat, the satanic goat or what you call Baphomet or the uh the hoof. Yeah. The splitting of the hoof. Is that am I is that right? Does that sound right? Yes. Baphomet. Okay. Yeah. Well, See when they're unbelievable, when the, man. When the bishops march out and they're wearing the fish hats, the hats that look like yes. fish. Well, that's yep. a representative. That's the Old Testament. The god Dagon was the, the fish god. Yes, that's right. That was the yeah. fish symbol. And that's right. The Christians use the fish symbol, and don't even realize that they're using the, the, one of the well, worst things possible. <laughs> well, they wrote guys. Uh, they wrote in it I X O R E in Greek, which was God's son, Savior as the fish and that was a, a private mm-hmm. identity so christians could identify themselves in the first century without being murdered you know to other christians right. okay right. but this but then it but, but then it's hijacked like the rest of the stuff by the, the satanic cults what they do yeah i've got a nelson publishing bible nelson published new king james version bible and on the binder is the ancient symbol of 666 you know that's yeah what do you think? That yeah. number, people, that's 666, you know, and I hate to say this, but, you know, I'm not a Holocaust denier, but I don't believe that 6 million people were, like they say, were gassed or whatnot, because at the time there wasn't even actually 6 million, quote, Jews in Europe at that point, and that's according to their Judaic uh, encyclopedia. Yeah. And at the end of World War II, from the, the total population being at 13.1, um, I think it was million, if they, six million of them died in atrocities, and I'm not saying nobody didn't die, but I'm just saying there's, I mean, there's a lot of bad people, bad actors, and a lot of people died. There's no, no, go, go get me wrong there. But the way they claimed yeah. it, that six million number's been used 25 years before Hitler was even in power 
you got that in the New York uh, New York Times, the New York Sun paper, and you have this that number six, and it just to me keeps reminding me. Go back to six, 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 six. The devil, the devil, the devil. Everywhere you turn, it at six, six, six is there or in threes. Right. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, look at the pandemic. You had to stand six yes. feet away from each other. Exactly. <laughs> so. And no. that's, that number six, I'm telling you what, is evil. I mean, you, you, any way you turn it. And you it's see the, these, the Hollywood people, they use these little gestures like it looks like an okay sign. With that, if you put your fingers and look at it and turn it to you and straight on, it's a six. Well, when okay I go through, sign's a six if you look at it straight on. When I go through Daniel, and well, that's what the ancient 666 is, the three rings together. And, that's uh, right. It, yeah, and that's what the ancient 666 is. And that's on the binder of uh, Nelson Publishing. Wow. With the new King James. Now, is that, now that publisher, is that, are you saying that that publisher is directly involved with uh, the, the people well, that own like the crooked people I'm talking about? The do, you remember, do you remember these uh, programs they had on TV they called Charmed? It was about the mm-hmm. witches. Yeah, it's had, okay, yeah, and when they stuff, yeah. up, in the very beginning of the program, they showed the sh- Book of Shadows. That's a spell book. And on top of the ancient 666. Yeah. And so that's the same symbol. Now, either Nelson Publishing is manipulated. I mean, come on, NIV is owned by uh, Rupert Murdoch. You think Rupert Murdoch is a guy? <laughs> you know. There you go, right there. You just said it. He's tied right into 9-11 and another bunch of sixes. <laughs> so, so All right, you go. guys, you got to get ready to wrap it up here. So uh, final closing well, thoughts there, uh, Peter, or anything? I, I think that uh, what we need to do is keep your eyes on the Lord and know, be able to discern, have the spiritual discernment to recognize that there are there's a spiritual war going on here. And we are called to be soldiers in Christ. And a soldier is to endure hardness. And, and so we're going to have to endure some hardness coming. It's coming towards us because after the Jews, they're going to come after the Christians. So be ready. You could believe that. And, uh, you know, they they once you do away with the truth, then you make up your own truth. Like the guy that says, well, I'm a woman. Well, that's my truth. <laughs> he made it up because he has no standard of truth. And so we Christians will be the agitators of the world because we will not go on with the evil that goes in in the world. We oppose it. So we must they must destroy us. And they're good. they'll come after us. It's just a matter of time. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. All right there, uh, Dave, anything you want to say at the end here? No, just the fact that I, I really appreciate Dr. Ventura coming on and, and listening to him. Uh, I'd love to sit down and talk with this guy and do a whole show with him and just go have a talking points. Because I know, I, Joe, I'm sure you, people think I'm out of my mind because I, I'm a radical, I sound like a radicalist, a racist, whatever. I'm just going by... When I bring up something and talk about it, I've researched it, and I know at least something what I'm talking about. It's just not something I see on CNN or what these people make up, you know, because that's what they want you to do is listen to what that garbage is. They spew it out nonstop. And that's, that right there is the MK Ultra. That's the mind, the thing that's going on in this world. And that's not our country. This world has been sabotaged by this propaganda machine, and it's the media. And, I mean, even if we had a, a, a straight-laced country and could do what we wanted to do as far as judicial-wise and our, and our politicians, 
if you don't control the media and get get a handle on it and have these people that have to pr- uh, promote truth and tell the truth, if they're going to lie, then you're going to spin this all. It's all going to come back again, and it'll probably be worse the second time around than it is now because this was all done as a practice run with all the stuff in World War One and Two, setting up for World War Three or the Armageddon. And this is we are going to be want- at war. We the people are the militia, and we are. God's soldiers, like he said, and I believe that wholeheartedly. And if that's what it's got to be, that's what it's got to be. But I'm not going. I'm not going quietly. I carry a big stick and walk soft and talk softer. Let me insert something here, real quick. All remember right. the parable. Yeah, go ahead. Remember where, remember where Jesus said that he cast out the demons, cast out the houses, swept and garnished, and then mm-hmm. the demon back, but he brings seven more worse than him. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what. America yep. was swept clean. We had Christianity. You got rid of Christianity, mm-hmm. the house, and now those demons are marching in. And they're worse 100%. than they were. And you can, you yeah. can apply that to, like, just like the numbers of the, the people coming across the board, the, the invasion that they're wanting. <laughs> all right, guys. That's it. Got to wrap okay. it up here. Somebody's got some background noise. But anyway, all right, guys, take care. Yeah, God bless the Republic. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.